Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, OTA season is underway. The Packers have kicked off the uh, final phase of the offseason program, which includes a few weeks of OTAs and a mandatory minicamp. We got our first look at, uh, I guess you'd say, the first practice of 2021, aside from rookie minicamp, which we talked about on a previous show. Um, Tuesday's workout at Clark Hinkle Field. Fortunately, the weather cooperated. And as expected, Aaron Rodgers not in attendance. Blake Bortles in attendance, but not yet suited up. Matt LaFleur said um, the new free agent quarterback would be worked into the mix here soon enough. So that really made Tuesday's practice kind of the Jordan Love show. Um, he got all the uh, all the reps with the ones when it came to seven on sevens and some less than full speed, 11 on 11 stuff. And uh, this is going to be some important time, regardless of what happens with Aaron Rodgers. This is important time for Jordan Love. So Mike, I am going to venture to guess and as always, as I do with our show, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I would venture to guess you saw, you personally saw Jordan Love throw more yesterday at the time in which we're taping this. You saw the most you've seen him throw on Tuesday than you did through training camp last year. The reason I say that is because Jordan Love did not get many reps during the team periods in camp last year. The reps he did get we're during that young guy period, which is when you had to go back to set up for the Matt LaFleur press conference. And I actually kind of stuck around because I had a little bit more leeway yeah. to watch those. But for people in media people, am I right in that, do you think? Yeah, probably. Some? I mean, I, I do recall I do recall I got to see one of those extra, yes. the 10 minute like young, young guy periods uh, during training camp last year when he was doing all the 11 on 11 stuff. But yeah, other than that one day, um, certainly uh, Tuesday of this week was uh, was the most I've seen Jordan Love in action uh, since he came to And Green you're Bay. not alone. There were a yeah. lot of media folks that would leave during those practices because they had to get back to set up for Zoom calls. So what the point I'm trying to illustrate with all that is last year, it was the Aaron Rodgers show, obviously, and whatever two reps were there would fall to Tim Boyle. Jordan Love, whatever's going on outside of 1265 Lombardi Avenue right now, this is a golden opportunity for this young man to actually get some work, to be able to take everything he did last season, all the book work, every, all that side of things, and then the off-season training, and really get it going in some real simulations. So seeing him work seven-on-sevens seven and some of these other drills, again, it's non-contact, it's not highly competitive, right. but being able to navigate and appreciate and, and sort of operate this offense, uh, that was – Really, Jordan Love's first opportunity to do so, and with the fact that Bortles wasn't practicing yet, Kirk Benkert, Kurt Benkert was the other quarterback. It was, as you said, the Jordan Love show. Yeah, and I mentioned in uh, in Insider Inbox. I mean, I'm not going to make any grand evaluations of Jordan Love. Certainly, when the players are not necessarily going full speed and all that, I know there's going to be a lot of attention on him and all that. I get it, but I was reminded in seeing him in Tuesday's practice that he showed last year, even in the limited work we saw him in training camp, he's got an NFL arm. You can see the ball come out of his hand with the velocity, with the with the purpose, with the speed. That's what you want to see from an NFL quarterback. And he's got that. 
he 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 has it. It's a matter it's a matter of putting all the other stuff together, and that's what these next several weeks are going to be for to lead him into his second NFL training camp with all this spring work that he did not get as a rookie because there was no rookie mini camp. Yep. There were no OTAs. There was no full squad mandatory mini. All that was gone last year. Training camp was his first you know, real opportunity to put on a helmet and go out there and practice as a Green Bay Packer. He's getting the spring work now that uh, that's going to be really important for him heading into late summer. And with the ramp up period last year, training camp was pretty much two and a half weeks uh, when you really boil it down yeah. in, in terms of being able to prepare for that week one game and, and start getting your mentality going from a summertime competition and training to legitimately preparing for an opponent. So that, that was a big shift there, too. That's when it's not so much on Jordan Love. And, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk to the offensive coaches yet. I'll be really interested to see what Luke, um, you know, Getze has to say, the Packers quarterback's coach. He's the one that would often stay behind with them after practice and work with them. You know, Aaron Jones, as he was talking with the media, mentioned that him and A.J. Dillon would, you know, they'd stick around on Saturdays and go through some stuff with them just to make sure that he was ready, you know. And, and I give Jordan a lot of credit, too, much like Tim Boyle did, during his first two years in the league, uh, when he was inactive or he wasn't playing, he would come out and he would go through the drills and the warm-ups and the walkthrough before the team came out. Just go and do, you know, he'd corral a practice squad receiver and go and do, you know, those type of things to get the throws in. Jordan Love followed that template. And, you know, you heard Aaron Rodgers even talk about it. I mean, this kid has come in and he's done everything right. He's a 22-year-old. He's a guy with a first-round pedigree. There's still a lot of kinks to be worked out, but but certainly he's capable. He belongs, and and for a guy that it soaks in as much information as from what we've heard from his coaches at at uh, Utah State, I, I think that this is going to be really beneficial for him in the long run. Yeah, well, I want to get to a couple of other key thoughts with regard to the offense here, but first, Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need twenty four seven. 365. All right, Wes. Well, if we were to say there was a legitimate piece of news that came out of this first OTA practice, AJ it would have Dillon's to do with, <laughs> yeah, I mentioned in our three things, I couldn't resist. It's like, yeah, well, if you want something from this practice, AJ Dillon's thighs did not get any smaller <laughs> in the off season. So yeah, I had to throw that into our three things Absolutely. video, but um, no, the, we're getting a sense of what the Packers I don't know if you want to call it the plan or the preference at this point. You know, you can parse the words there. But the way they seem to be proceeding right now with the offensive line in David Bakhtiari's absence and not knowing exactly what Bakhtiari's timeline is going to be, what we saw with the number one unit on Tuesday is that Elton Jenkins is lining up at left tackle. Billy Turner is over at right tackle. The rookie Josh Myers is with the first unit at center. And then you have Lucas Patrick and John Runyon Jr. as the first up at guards. And we'll see as things go through OTAs, and then obviously it will matter even more with how we see them line up at the start of training camp. But this is kind of our first taste of, uh, of what it looks like the Packers want to do, which is to have Elton Jenkins fill that stead at left tackle until Bakhtiari can come back. And then also 
that Josh Myers, the second-round draft pick from Ohio State, is no, he's not going to be handed the center job, but he is going to be given every opportunity to win that job and to and to potentially start in week one as a rookie for Green Bay. It kind of reminds you of Darnell Savage a little bit, right? When yeah. he came in two years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's a good point. He was back there with the secondary. He was in the starting safety spot. You go back historically into the Mike McCarthy era, and a lot of coaches did it this way. Eddie Lacy gets drafted. Eddie Lacy's still the fourth guy taking reps back in that training or that offseason program in 2013. Packers last year or two years ago, they knew Savage was the guy. They put him there. I'm not saying Myers is the guy, but they actually do have options at center depending on what they wanted to do. Lucas Patrick has played a lot of center at this point. So the fact Elton that Jenkins could play center too. He could, yeah, he, well, he could play. He, anyway. They could put him yeah. over at receiver if they needed right. him to. But <laughs> the, 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 my main takeaway from that is you want to talk about a guy getting reps and being able to just get comfortable in a spot. That's what they did last year with John Runyon. That's the way they started to train guys. So I think it speaks volumes that that's the starting point for Josh Myers. As far as Elton Jenkins is concerned, Adam Stenovich might disagree with me on this. The scouts may say, the coaches might say I'm wrong on this. I honestly think he could take every snap at left tackle during the offseason program, during training camp, and I still think he can be a Pro Bowl left guard whenever they want him to go back to that spot. Yeah, I bet he could. I think we've learned enough about this young man in terms of his muscle memory, his intelligence, and honest to God, just how talented this dude is that he can he can make that. Mike, last year, that, that should have been a disaster when they lost Corey Lindsley. They didn't have a hand-picked successor at, at center when he was out for those three games. Elton Jenkins made that look as easy yeah. as it could have been. I covered the 2012 Packers when they had Jeff Saturday there for 13 weeks. So did I. It, it's not supposed to be that seamless right. for a guy to step in, right. and that's what happened. And I, I just I have a lot of respect for him in that in that regard. But as far as left tackle is concerned, that's a different spot. You need to get your reps in there, and he's the most qualified of anybody that, to take him if that's the direction you want to go. And as I'll keep saying. I was really, really, really impressed with Billy Turner last year at right tackle. Yep. I know he's versatile. I know he can play a number of different spots. But, boy, when he just was at right tackle, I thought he was pretty dang good. So, yep. I, at the end of the day, I don't think there was any massive surprises with how the offensive line looked. But, but certainly, when you factor in all these multitude of reserves they have, Mike, there are still a lot of options there depending on how this plays out this summer. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to we're going to see competition throughout the summer and not just with regard to, you know, is the rookie Josh Myers going to win that starting center job, but you look at you look at the guard spots. I mean, Royce Newman, the fourth-round pick from Ole Miss, might get be getting a look at guard. Cole Van Lannan, you know, he could be playing guard or tackle. Um I know I'm forgetting some other guys who are Ben Braden, ben Braden is, is another was, yeah. guy who's going to be in that mix at guard too. So Yash Nijman, I mean, you talk about Cole Van Lannan, uh, not to jump over you, but the, I, I said this, Mike, in inbox, and I'll reiterate it on this show. Well, we'll see what happens with Simon Stepanak Simon too, Stepanak's who's coming back, back from coming Jake, back from the knee injury. From Jake Hansen's back yep. after finishing last year yep. on practice squad injured. So. A lot of different things that can happen, and it's not a proven offensive line like they were so many times in the mid-2010s where you just knew who the starting five was or at least what most of those components are going to be. A lot yeah. more questions, but they have so many different ways that they can go depending on you know how certain dominoes fall. Oh, and by the way, at some point you're getting back a five-time all-pro left tackle. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be uh, – and, and we will see – you know, we don't know exactly when we're going to get the update or if anything definitive is going to be said on when David Bakhtiari will be back. Um, obviously, the Packers want to get him back as soon as possible, but uh, but they're they're going to plan. Obviously, they have to plan 
for uh, for his absence at the start of the season. And if he does miraculously, I think it would be an incredible feat for him to make it back for the start of the regular season. Matt LaFleur has said, Brian Gutekunst has said, they're not ruling it out. But you have to be prepared to start the season without him. Well, think about what happened, you know, with Brian Balaga. You know, and, and the Packers, they had a plan. Balaga didn't participate in the offseason program, obviously, coming off an injury of that scale. He was out for all but one week of the training camp. He did end up coming back and playing in that preseason finale. I think he took maybe two series yeah. at right tackle. Yeah, took a that, handful of snaps there. But otherwise, it was different players at right tackle. I'm trying to remember if it was J- Jason Spriggs. It might have even been Kyle Murphy. I can't exactly remember, but... They had the backup plan, the plan B ready. That's the same thing here. You know you're not going to have David Bakhtiari during the offseason program. Okay, who can we give those reps to that it could be beneficial for once you get into the fall? Yeah. Well, switching gears to the defensive side of the ball, and again, we're not going to be able to tell a whole lot during OTAs. And honestly, Oh, I know everything now, Mike. <laughs> honestly, we'll see what happens in the preseason games in August in terms of uh, what we see from new defensive coordinator Joe Barry's unit, but... We got a sense from the media Zoom calls that we did after practice on Tuesday that there are a couple of things going on here with regard to Joe Barry and having all of these position coaches who are back from the previous regime, and now he's the the new guy at the head of the defense. He's kind of using, from what we can understand, he's kind of using these assistant coaches both as evaluators Mm -hmm in terms of, okay, tell me what your guys at your positions, tell me what they do best. You know, you, here, here's the scheme. This is the stuff I want to do. Like, who are the guys that, you know, that can do this? And Joe Barry, is, I'm sure, has looked at film and has developed some of his own opinions, but he's going to rely on those views of the position coaches who have been around these guys for at least a year or two, or in some cases longer. But then also, we kind of got a sense from Kenny Clark that there's a little bit of translating going on Anytime you have a new system, a new playbook, there's different terminology. The language is different. And Kenny Clark was talking about how he's kind of using Jerry Montgomery, his position coach, to explain to him, okay, when when we say this, like last year, that's what the, like, here was the word for it. You know, like there's this translation that the, the players are using their position coaches to help, you know, complete that circle to make the transition to, uh, to the new scheme and to learn the new language so that by the time you get to the regular season, it's, it's become ingrained and it gets to be second nature. It's an interesting dynamic, I think, because you don't often see a new defensive coordinator come in, but all of the position coaches right. on his staff are the same guys you know, who were here previously. That doesn't happen all the time. And I, I think it could be something that works out really well for Green Bay here. Yeah, honestly, Mike, it might be somewhat unprecedented to, to have a defense where, other than a few quality control coaches, everybody's right. back, uh, other than who the defensive coordinator is. Now, certainly a lot played into those decisions, but I think what the exciting thing is, and I, I structured this question to both Kenny and Adrian Amos on Tuesday, is that you, ha- you have a new system, you have a new philosophy, but you have the same coaches being able to relay that information, and also you have a bulk of the same defense that's still together. Yeah. Um, and if nothing else, they've only added to it. Certainly, you know, Raven Green moved on. He's in Tampa Bay. But otherwise, it pretty much looks like the same personnel that they're going to have to pull from, which was a young group to begin with. So 
you're looking for your, you know, who's going to be the next Jair Alexander. You're looking for who could potentially be a guy that steps up and surprises you like Chris Barnes did last year. All of those cards are on the table for them right now. But at this point in time, I think being able to understand what the vision is for Barry is going to be the best thing that's going to happen throughout this offseason program for this defense because it's a top 10 defense now. They were categorically, that's where they fit last season. Yeah. The question is now, can you go from being a really good defense that had moments of greatness to being dominant? Because there is a shift there. We saw it last year with Tampa Bay. We've seen it in past years with the San Francisco's. Once, if you can be a suffocating unit, that's when you dictate the terms of the game and how it's played. And I think there's a lot of confidence inside that locker room that they were close last year, and they hope that this might be the thing that helps them reach that next level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the other... New coordinator the Packers have, obviously, is special teams coordinator Maurice Drayton. And I kind of got a kick out of watching uh, the special teams period in Tuesday's practice because you remember, I know you remember, (laughs) when Sean Slocum was here as special teams coordinator and he he would wear a headset, you know, to be over the PA to sort of bark instructions and this and that. And in Sean's defense, it started as something where he was having a little (laughs) bit of laryngitis (laughs) and so he couldn't yell on the practice field. So they gave him a headset so that he could just talk at like a normal tone, but it would be projected throughout the whole practice field. Well, Maurice Drayton in Tuesday's practice during the special teams period, he doesn't need a headset, he doesn't need a PA, he doesn't need a speaker. You could hear that guy, and everything we heard from Matt LaFleur about the energy, about the voice, about the teacher that is in him, it was all on display during that, whatever it was, roughly 15, 20-minute special teams period in Tuesday's practice. Maurice Drayton is, uh, is taking charge and he's, uh, he's clearly trying to create a new sort of culture with regard to how these drills and practices go on special teams on his watch. It was fun. I think that was my main takeaway. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Even when the special teams period was over, Mo was having fun with some of the media members, too, who were trying to do, like, the establishing shot. You ever watch your, your evening news for, like, local sure. news? You have the shot of the football with the players' feet in the background, and then they use that as their first shot. It's just all rudimentary type stuff. That's what they do. Mo comes up and he's like, "Hey, do you need me to, you know, re- kind of repositions the ball so you get like the NFL logo on the front? Get <laughs> something really nice because the the media can't do that." It, it just he was having fun with it, and yeah. you could hear the energy in his voice. And I'll be honest with you, this is not a dig on on Sean Meningar or Ron Zook or, or Sean anybody. Um, and maybe it's only because I was paying more attention to special teams in this practice than maybe I've paid attention to in the past. But boy, there was there seemed those guys knew what they were doing out there. I mean, that there was a as much as it was more of a pace tempo, a walk through tempo. The special teams, you know, they, they made some changes the way they're structuring drills and how donuts are used and things of that nature. And there didn't appear to be a big holdup there. And that's an impressive thing when you're dealing with. 50 to 60 guys in those special teams units, a lot of whom are competing for roster spots or not back from last season, uh, that, that caught my eye a little bit. And the thing I'm excited to learn more about him and his philosophies and seeing, a, you know, you add a guy like Amari Rogers into the, the conversation, you get some exciting players that could potentially spark that unit. It's, it's an open canvas right now. Yep. They're just trying to put their best foot forward after what was a pretty down season a year ago. And, and I just I think that with an infectious energy like that, with what Drayton has, 
and especially in acknowledging some of those past coordinators who had success in Green Bay, I really do believe that, that that could be something that helps that special teams unit turn a corner here in 2021. Yeah. Well, we will get another look at an OTA practice next week. We get to sort of see like one per week here uh, as we go along. How and, exciting. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what next week brings and, uh, and perhaps another show to talk about our observations. But with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team through the rest of the offseason program. It's all there for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.